everyone. This is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, Part 2. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is 100% sure dogs can look up. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're going from a month-long panic attack to a month of much-needed levity as we kick off a celebration of some of our favorite horror comedies, and we start by taking a bite out of Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead. And whether or not you've got red on you, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your fried gold hole. And you can laugh along with us uh, as we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on the Book of Face where we have an events tab, which does lead again to shenanigans quarantine shenanigans shenanigans and any other name my friend but as this episode (laughs) does release on friday may 1st these are shenanigans that are not in the theater as of yet we're we're gonna get there eventually shenanigans nonetheless yes shenanigans regardless and ultimately you can be part take part of these shenanigans by being part of the screenland film family and you can engage and join them over at patreon.com slash screenland and let me just say this you know you are getting a lot of bang for your buck is being part of the film family theater rooms and everything yeah it's cool it's fantastic i mean we've got multiple tiers you know multiple benefits there's a lot of really good content including and i guess we're trying to sell this but including something that we're doing here ultimately on a bi-weekly basis it's a little we call it the shutter shout out double feature mm-hmm. we want to make sure we're like yeah go ahead and do this and check it out but we're also on there too, so... <laughs> yes, but ultimately what we do is we're kind of, you know, taking advantage of being shut in at this point and the shut-in well, code. Exactly, shut-in, shut-in shouter, shout-out. So you might as well, like, check out some cool horror movies for free. So. Absolutely, and we stream two uh, films from Shudder, and much like we did when we were hosting, we also put together a little bit of a filmed intro... We've got trailer reels for each film. We put together a pre-show. And then we uh, put together kind of a little Q&A session where we give our thoughts on things. And again, if we're trying to sell this or not, finish everything out in grand tradition. What do we do, Genius? A little bit of FMK. Uh, Our apologies in advance. It's tradition. It's it, tradition. It, it is. It is tradition. Is tradition is something that unfortunately no one's ever been brave enough to just stop doing ultimately. <laughs> But if that sounds something that is up your alley, and if it's not, no worries. There are so many other things to choose from. But There's you can... more flavors at the cinema buffet. Yes, there are. And you can definitely be part of the Screenland film family. Again, go to patreon.com slash Screenland. But hey, speaking of Patreon and speaking of film family, 
this ep- this here episode here kicking off the month of May is going to be the first month of exclusive Patreon content that we are kicking off here. It, I'm I'm super excited for this. Hey, bellies, Patreon bellies. And as promised, regardless of what tier you are on, whether it is from a squiddly diddly to another time, another place, uh, you are going to be getting a shout out on this show. And we thought we would kick things off here. You know, it, <laughs> let's face it, it's been a while now since we've been in the theater with, you know, watching a film with a bunch of people. But there's something we always stress, and that is the communal experience that comes from seeing a movie with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it's one of those things, ultimately, where the more you go to the theater, and again, whether you're at, you know, Screenland, whether you're at the Alamo, you start to see a number of people. Uh, the faces become familiar. Mm-hmm. The faces become familiar and like, oh, yeah, I thought you I would see you here at this kind of movie. <laughs> and what's great is, and you know, anything from where we were hosting to anything where we were just attending, I started seeing this individual just constantly. And I knew right away, I'm like, okay, anyone that I see time and time again at the movies I'm going to, we've, we've got similar taste, right? Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, we probably speak the same language. Um, and then it just became a thing where ultimately this particular individual as well, we saw back has been to multiple Nerdoweens, you know, with yeah. us, has been to multiple Dismember the Alamos with us. Has survived many shenanigans. Yeah, film club, uh, Terror Tuesdays. We're talking of someone that started as just kind of a, a face that I saw to a face I was familiar with. To a to a, a name and now someone that is a friend, but thank you so much, Jesse Card, for being mm-hmm. just a true again a genius. What is he? A belly, a Patreon belly, <laughs> and truly a member of our film family. And it's it's so cool. We we kind of talked a little bit about um, our Panic Fest recap that there were people here in town that were able to get in like twenty or thirty films throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of Panic Fest, and I'm I guarantee you. Jesse was one of those people. Yeah. I would see him for a little bit between movies. He's like, oh, got to go. Got to go to another movie. I'm like, how many have you seen? A bunch. So, <laughs> You know, and ultimately with things like that, when you see it becomes that lovely bit of a little bit of familiarity. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, it's that familiarity that I'm really missing right now because watching movies now ultimately by yourself or in, you know, in this case, you know, being able to where, you know, the, the group parties, the watch parties that people are putting together it's fine, but it's different, you know? It, it's, it's it's different. It's, we're still missing that. So, Jesse, you are missed, my friend. In fact, one of the first things that I do, guaranteed, when we're all back in the theater again, practicing smartly, I should say, but, you know, it's to give you a little elbow bump and just to say mm-hmm. thank you for being a friend, ultimately. <laughs> Travel down the road and back again. <laughs> but if you would like to get a little shout-out here on Nightmare Junkhead and be part of our Patreon film family, go over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. Uh, man, we've got tears for fears for you, ultimately. A lot of things. So again, thank you for everyone for doing that. Now, we have spent the last two months now going from madness... Madness! ...to <laughs> Full-on panic mode. And how, then, do you recoup after that, genius? From madness to panic, what should we be doing right now? Yeah, yeah. we all need a bit of levity, you know? Let the hysteria now set in, and we got to get a little bit of our giggles out. Uh, Would you say a little giggle mortis? 
a little giggle mortis. We well, got a little little horror comedies. It's something to, to soothe the savage soul. Oh, I mean, to go back to um, Almost Famous, do you remember laughter? <laughs> right now, more than ever, we need to laugh. And I can say this, ultimately, being quarantined has definitely brought out the best of my socially awkward introvert nature. <laughs> um, <laughs> felt like I've been preparing this for my whole life. But when I listen to all my weekly rotation of podcasts, because again, I listen to a lot, after I go through my normal rotation, I always end up then re- do a lot of repeat listening. But here, because of what we've been going through, I've always been going back to the ones that make me laugh. To me right now, laughter is so important. And if you go through like the through line of our podcast, 200 plus episodes, one of the main things is kind of our love of the horror comedy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've bonded over Return of the Living Dead. I mean, that was like (laughs) crime alley almost. So... I mean, of course, horror comedy is, is written in this DNA. I mean, even uh, even under, like, what type of podcast we are, after the not safe for work, <laughs> we're an explicit content, we're horror comedy. So, well, yeah, and it's definitely we're one. all about it. Oh, yeah, and it's you especially, uh, I, I, I love them ultimately, but this is something for you. It's always been one that's been kind of near and dear to your heart. Um, so for you, as someone that I would go to as kind of my horror comedy guru, what is it that makes a good horror comedy for Genius McGee? Finding that balance, you know, finding that balance and that tone where the comedy is fitting and it's proper and it works in the scenarios while still being – where the comedy is grounded, but the world is not. So finding that balance between the horror and the comedy because if you lean too much into one, you might – fuck up the mix you know what i'm saying like even even you they're gonna say you can't have too much peanut butter and jelly on a sandwich that's true in equal amounts but you don't want like five pounds of peanut butter and three pounds of jelly so <laughs> and if that's your thing that's but totally unless cool you're in the mood for that, yeah that's you know? unless you're the mood for that. well you, you talk about the balance and that's true it is really tough to find it because ultimately when you get too much of the humor any little bit of horror you get is drowned out by that and then, you know, in all you, wind you... Up, you wind up with like um, scary movie. Yeah. You wind up yeah. with um, Shriek, if you know what I did last summer. You wind up with like um, the Bogus Witch Project. You wind up with spoofs. And while those are in the vein of horror comedy, right. and that's if, again, if that's your bag, all for it. But, but. <laughs> I like a little bit more, a little bit more pizzazz in my uh, horror comedies. Absolutely, and now that being said, I'd like to think then that the films that we're going to talk through the month of May, a lot of them will establish that balance. Now, I will say right off the bat, I know we've got a film that doesn't necessarily hit the balance, but it's one that I really pushed for, and I'll ultimately defend it. Um, the balance could be whatever you want on a different day. I mean, that's the great thing about horror comedy. I mean, I re- just recently, I, I'm not saying that, like, if you like the scary movie franchise and that's your bag, cool. But, like, yeah, 
we're going to go over the gambit of all sorts of what defines horror comedy. And I, I think also it gives us a better insight to both you and myself, just in terms of kind of our comfort food, what we identified early on, little things like that. Where, where on the Venn diagram do we fit? Like who, how many of the circles are crossing over? What strings are connecting to Pepe Silva? Where? Are the... <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's funny because, but again, it's that true connectivity of kind of our friendship. Because, like you said, if you go back to the very first little bit of recorded evidence of our friendship, <laughs> it is all built around Return of the Living Dead mm-hmm. and Night of the Demons. It's exactly, exactly. And it's those little bits of levity that really made that connection with us where we realized we were speaking the same language. And did we just become best friends? Yup. Did we both get weirded out by lipstick and boobs? Yup. You got it. You got it. But ultimately, when you find that nice balance, um, if you go back to just in terms of what we enjoy when we laugh, what, what we enjoy when we get scared, is that feeling of catharsis. And just get purging those kind of negative effects ultimately. You know, and I always get when people say they don't like horror movies because they don't like being scared. Like, I understand that. I get that. But it always confounds me when I run into people and they're just like, I don't like comedies. And I'm like... How can you, how not, you like, not like comedy? How do you not how like you to not, laugh? You know, right? But, like, but then, oh, like people who hate music, how do you hate music? <laughs> I don't understand that. But the, it almost arises the question for me is then what is your outlet? You know, where are you getting your catharsis? And exactly. and that's maybe for me why horror comedies <laughs> work so. And like, where are you finding this catharsis? And why are these transients missing in the neighborhood? You know, why do you have this collection of little shoes? You know, there's something. Well, no, that's. I think going back to again, so like some of the first times we talked, one of your famous expressions. Do you remember what you're talking about when we? I think we even posed this question back in the day. Do you remember what you referenced? Which one? Feeding something. Oh yeah, feeding the gator. Om nom 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 nom. Gotta feed that gator, man, because that gator's gonna bite you in the ass. Look what happened to Nina Live. If you yeah. don't take care of that gator, and you don't take care of that gator, it's gonna come out the sewers like an alligator. And no amount of like mating calls from Henry Silva will save you. <laughs> hair plugs, regardless. It's a very, it's a tough subject. And again, if someone is losing their hair, I get Robert Forster so much in that film. But, but. If you got catharsis with both laughter, you know, through humor and horror, when, uh, yeah, yeah, and if you can make them work and you get that balance together, the catharsis is so much more intense. Absolutely. Because when, when you're laughing, your belly hurts from the laughter. And when the horror hits, it feels like that belly is being ripped apart ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that is why I think ultimately we wanted to start with something that kind of is the perfect balance when it comes to horror comedies. Yeah, it's a film that I think many people refer to when they talk of the best horror comedies. Oh, absolutely, and it's a comfort food horror comedy. It's relatable. It's quotable. It's one that people go to again and again and again and again when you talk about horror comedies, like you said. So, like, what way to kick things off than getting red on you? <laughs> a film that launched careers, that yeah, launched absolutely. legacies, that launched quotes. And it started so small, innocent, uh, so many years ago. This is a movie that came out in 2004. Genius McGee, we're getting old, my friend. Oh, man. I remember 
remember seeing this fucker in the theater, two thousand and four. Let's let's go back. Let's go back so many years. <laughs> Going back to two thousand and four, this is the nascent days of the the internet. I would seek out every evening. I would go to a multitude of internet movie websites. And again, keep in mind this is two thousand and four. But there were there was chud.com, mm-hmm. uh, there was joeblow.com, uh-huh. and at the kind of the top of the lo- mountain again, this was 2004. <laughs> another time. Another place <laughs> was ain'titcool.com. Mm-hmm. That's and, where you would get your, that was the entertainment tonight of the <laughs> internet of that time. Truly, truly. And there was a lot of hype coming around this like British invasion zombie film ultimately. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you another through line through the podcast is kind of your issue with hyperbole and how many times you've been bitten. So let's take go back to 2004. Genius, do you remember hearing about this movie before you initially saw it? Oh, absolutely. It like you said, it was all over. Ain't it cool news? Like, man, this movie's hilarious. It's like if you like zombie movies and horror, you'll get this movie. If you don't, check it out. I mean, it just had a lot of hype, and I was like, okay, well, I'll go check it out. And this was, like, before you got burnt so much. This is before every movie that came out was, like, a game changer, you know? And so, like, when they said, hey, this movie is legit funny, legit scary, and it's something you need to see. And so I went way out of my comfort zone because it was playing in only a one theater close to me, and that was Olathe Station getting hella regional. So you, did, you didn't get to see it in Indian Springs. No, well, oh. Indian Springs by then was torn down. Oh, I mean, even like, worse. It was a ghost even town worse. by then. Right? But then, not even West Glen. I had to go all the way out to, <laughs> oh, Olathe, right? And, uh, <laughs> Ella Regional now. I know. And so, great. <laughs> regional and old. And so, <laughs> that's the overlying theme of this episode, my friend. <laughs> yeah, right. So, we had to go all the way to Olathe Station and, and like, like I took I took I took a date and I didn't even pay attention. I was just enjoying the movie. I was laughing so much and just like, oh look at that reference. And oh like I mean I was just like looking at all the Easter eggs and all like just and just smiling from ear to ear from the time that spoilers, from the time it starts to the time that like Ed gets bit. I'm just like just beaming, smiling, just beaming, smiling. And it's a movie that I cherish and remember. And every time I want to laugh, I mean, it's in my rotation. Yeah. I'll break it out every like one or two years and just watch it because it's that good. I mean, when I want a good laugh or if I need a horror comedy or if I need a movie to a go to, like, what should we watch? Shaun of the Dead. It, 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 this it movie hits, is amazing. It is amazing. And I'm also i had to go outside of my normal comfort zone i was living in lawrence at the time and i had to drive down to uh this it was a cinemark theater in merriam kansas so it was a good 45 50 minute drive but much like the same thing it was the only one i could find playing at the time right and i was in a theater of maybe three or four people potentially i i ultimately i remember i wasn't by myself but from the moment i mean like the moment the movie kicked off we're hit with this cue. And from that moment on, until we get Queen's You're My Best Friend, it was probably one of the more transformative hour and 40 minutes of my life. Yeah. I felt like a different person. 
And I'm not going to lie, man. My life has been made better since that moment I saw this movie. <laughs> like I, and that's, that's hyperbole, right? Like that's if someone was selling you the film. But like you said, this film checks off so many boxes of things that people like us adore. And I think ultimately because, number one, it was made by people like us, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> Film fans and nerds who are just more extremely talented than us. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, the second I walked away from this film, I immediately went to my MySpace page and I was posting a thing <laughs> going, this movie is amazing. It'll change your life. Like it, please. You know, I mean, it was like 16 years ago, truly another time. <laughs> another place. But I also, I'm not joking, wrote a review for AinItCool.com because I, like so many people, wanted to talk about this movie because it just hit so many things. It felt personal. It felt like it was winking only at me. But as it turned out, it was winking, it was at, winking at me too. Yeah. Winking at a whole bunch of people. Like, I think what got me is when he's like, we're coming to get you, Barbara. Just like that line, I was like... Bravo, brilliant, 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 brilliant. Because, I mean, and the thing I think about it, like like we said, it, it launched so many careers, and it was definitely my first introduction into Simon Pegg, uh, Nick Frost, and especially Edgar Wright. And I think one of the great things about this movie is the rewatchability of it and his attention to detail. And you go back and you just see, like, holy shit, everything is comes back into play. There's nothing wasted in this movie. What I love immediately is there was such a unique voice behind it. Even mm -hmm. though he was referencing all those things that you and I enjoy, immediately, though, there was such a style and yeah. almost a grace to the way everything was put out there that from the get-go, there were things that you automatically recognize. Again, that were coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> I also mm -hmm. kind of squealed. I was like, oh, I know that. That's so cute and wonderful. But there's those little tiny things literally in the background of this movie yeah. uh, that's filtered throughout the script that just reward rewatching and re-listening and really giving it the focus and attention it deserves. And this is the first time they collaborated on a feature film. Like, that in itself is crazy. Mm -hmm. To pull off lightning in a bottle and then prove it that you can do it again multiple times you oh. know because i'll see anything that edgar wright put out and i enjoy everything yeah. that edgar wright puts out and same thing with dick frost and simon Pegg. Yep. i mean but well, just to see the things what he does like you said the background characters and even going along with the music you know just like everyday life it's just I personally love those kind of coincidences. Like when you have like the windshield wipers going on and sending the beat of the music to them, like, ah, or somebody's walking along the street and they're like walking in the tune that you're listening to. I always love that. But to see him do that. And then again, during the zombie apocalypse, it was wonderful. It was everything I wanted. I didn't know I wanted to see. It, well, it, again, it just, it, it, he's got such a distinct editing style as well. Uh, what, and again, I f love the fact that we live in a day and age where you can go online and you can actually go and seek out. He has these early edits that he put together of like car chase sequences and ash action sequences set to music. And it was from the early days when he was probably going like reel to reel tape, the VHS tape. But from that get go, you could tell that's the kind of stuff that he was into. And he was unapologetically mm -mm. into all that as well. 
He's like, I'm going to do what I want <laughs> three times. <laughs> well, okay, three times ultimately, the Cornetto Trilogy. Um, we've been fortunate enough to host at Screenland Armor. Again, go to patreon.com slash Screenland, the Cornetto Trilogy, mm-hmm. in a packed theater, and we're in Theater One with rabid Cornetto Trilogy fans. Yeah, and much like you form relationships with people, we always talk about you form relationship with films. And I wanted to touch upon this ultimately because I've seen the trilogy multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've actually been able to see all of them in the theater now, thankfully as well. Um, and but ultimately, my not only has my ranking of them changed over time, but so has my relationship with all the films. And in fact, I know we highlighted that when we talked about the the Cornetto trilogy. It really maps out just getting older. But let me just say something, ultimately. Um, You know, I talked about that first transformative experience from the first time I watched it, right? The last time I watched it for this rewatch, I'm not going to say I had another transformative experience. But it hit me much more personally than I really thought it would. Oh, yeah? It really did. Um I've been pretty honest and open now that, uh, and I'm going now on now almost like five years now since my divorce, uh, being single and dealing with depression. And dealing with it is kind of a nice way of saying I haven't really been addressing. I, addressing it, I'm, I haven't been in denial of it ultimately. But I really haven't taken care of it. You know, I haven't gone out, I haven't sought out therapy yet. I haven't really talked to anyone about it. And that's, that's a step I need to do, and I know that now because I'm watching Shaun of the Dead. I see Liz dump Shaun. I see him just having this, this bad day, and, and then he's got that moment where he needs to sort his life out. And then the zombie apocalypse happens, right? And I'm putting myself, and, and it was at that moment, I started crying. And I'm not going to say it was uh, an invitation-style sobbing with, with uh, Evie, but it was one of those moments where I know I need to I need to get things addressed, and I, I say it as part of the podcast. Again, we're supposed to be laughing here, but again, uh, catharsis one way or the other. But it was one of those things to be accountable for everything, and I'm just saying this now. Um, we're recording this in April. This comes out in May. Ideally, when we're back in a face to face environment, I am going to start therapy. I am going to address this. And I, I'm, I'm thinking it's a combo of like the invitation and Shaun of the Dead and just where I was when I watched it. And again, how I reacted to it in my relationship, ideally when I'm a little bit more healthy and I'm hopefully being a little bit more social and not awkward, I can thank mm-hmm. Edgar and the crew for that experience. That's awesome, man. I mean, and then that's glad that you can go realize that you want to go out and get help you know meanwhile i'm over here like doing a monkey impression for you <laughs> you know <laughs> well you know what listen like it's not the end of the world mate white lines <laughs> <you know? laughs> i'm honestly so th- well that was the thing ultimately it made me also look back at those four to five years of what i've been doing and a lot of it is the stuff with my film family man with you with all the stuff we do at Screenland, with all the stuff that we did at the Draft House, and it it made me appreciative, ultimately, as well. So, you know, not only did it make me cry, ultimately, through that, but it also made me appreciate those little things, dude. You know, if you're ever, you're, hopefully you'll always be, you know, the, the Ed to my Sean, or, you know, or I can be the Sean to your, whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the chemistry needs to be. But You it, are the more rational one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> potentially, potentially depends if the camera is on us or not. Um, but like I said, that's what I love with a film like this is, you know, it can change every time you view it, which makes me afraid to watch the world's end again, because that's another one that is a tough watch occasionally, depending yeah. on, you know, when you watch it. I remember watching Shaun of the Dead and like, and like really identifying with Ed in the, you know, when I first saw it, I mean, because like, He's funny. He's like fat. He kind of bumbles around, and you know, it's just. But he like he means well, and he tries, you know. And but when he gets bit, I was oh, just like, oh man! I, it put like I gasped my first time viewing it. I well, was not it, ready for that. Me neither, because I the whole time he's the, my my audience surrogate, and I'm seeing him get devoured, and I'm like, oh no, they're gonna put me down now, you know. <laughs> And, like, going back to this rewatch, it, like, didn't make me well up. But I was also looking at, like, you know, again, getting older, letting go of the people you care about, you know. And what would you have to do in those type of situations? Like, the scene between – and the whole the whole movie, we're all, like, laughing and giggling and yuck, yuck, yuck. And meanwhile, we don't realize until, like, three-quarters of the movie, like, Sean's mom got bit. And then that whole scene, that scene, I'm over there going like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, like, it, it's a, puts a spin on the zombie trope of, because in a lot of zombie movies, you're going to have to put a loved one down, you know, I mean, and that always brings that up. But I think what happens with Shaun of the Dead, it happens in the middle of either action or the middle of something funny, because in the middle of something (laughs) funny is going on, like what happened with, uh, uh, the stepdad uh, in the car. Yeah. And then it was in the middle of a funny joke and the action's going on and zombies are getting ran over. Meanwhile, something terrible, sad, terribly sad is happening. The same thing with the mom getting shot. Oh. Uh, the zombies are coming in. Queen is playing a song, you know, and then next thing you know, Sean has to make these terrible decisions. I think that's why it hits you because you're laughing. You're like, oh, that's real, you know? What? And so this, uh, this watch really got me on those. And you're and you, the way you're describing that it in in the hands of anyone else that would be totally overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But the way he plays it out, like we said it comes down to that balance, that incredible balance that he I do not know how deftly he did it, but he did it. Yeah. But the balance and ultimately the fact that you care for these characters, you care for Sean's mum. You know, when she calls him pickle. Pickle. Oh, oh. You ultimately care for for Sean's dad, he's not my dad. He's my stepdad. Um, we got, but let's talk about the characters because you spend so much time invested with them. And this is my first introduction to all of them. This entire world across the pond. It, it was a British invasion for a lot of yeah. genre fans. Yeah. The I don't know if there is a more a better or more iconic character introduction than Sean's stepdad, Phil. When his his little that little, that little spin, it's like a spin twist. shimmy. I don't know what it is. It is incredible. But from the get go, you're like, who is this guy? Exactly. Where has he been all my life? Whenever he shows up in something else, I'm like instantly like, oh, that's Sean's dad, you know. And and he always <laughs> does the spin, like he does the spin in Pirate Radio, which was dope. Um, he does the spin in Love Actually a lot, actually. Uh, <laughs> like he was even I think he even did it in Pirates of the fucking Caribbean but like he's 
because of this movie, I will seek him out and I will see what he does. And when he shows up, it's like, oh, it's him. And that's the best part of this movie is I will do that with so many of the people from this film. You know, when Simon Pegg is in a movie, I'm going to check it out. You know, when Nick Frost is in a film, I guarantee you who's going to be there, Genius McGee. Have you ever seen, first of all, okay, Simon Pegg deserves a lot of love and we'll get to him, but I have to give love to my boy Nick Frost. Nick Frost <laughs> is amazing. One, he's funny as shit. I mean, like, if going back and looking at some of the goofy things he's done, he's funny as hell. Yep. He's extremely light on his feet and he's extremely versatile. Um, one, a movie that you need to check out if you haven't, listeners, because I think you've seen it too, is Cuban Fury, where he plays the Cuban, a former Cuban dancer. Now, I can relate with the funny guy who's fat, who used to be a former dancer. I can relate. But Ian McShane shows up as the goddamn coach. How rad is that? And, and don't sell yourself short, my friend. You are still nimble on your feet. You've got good moves, okay? But, but I fucking need to rub down with ointment and shit because, like, things don't. The old gray bear ain't what it used to be. No, but then another thing with Nick Frost. Shout out to Mount Baldy, into the Badlands to see Nick Frost do kung fu is a thing of fucking beauty. He was amazing in that show. Think about that equation out loud. Nick Frost plus kung fu. Mm-hmm. The answer you all win with it, right? <laughs> And hey, if anyone wanted to hear like reviews on that, where would they, where could they head over to? Oh, I, a little show called Media Rewind, uh, where we, unfortunately that show's now been canceled. Not Media Rewind into the Badlands. Yeah, but if they want to go back to that, yeah, if they go back to it. But yeah, no. <laughs> well, um, I, he was a great delight on every episode he was in. He's also shows up in Attack the Block, which is another mm-hmm. really good sci-fi horror film uh in the uh, uh the, the the alien invasion films yeah uh, which i'll be admit the first time i watched it i had to throw the subtitles on because it's almost the... like pike <laughs> <laughs> like dags <laughs> yeah. no, and i i am i'm embarrassed to admit it but the accents were so thick that I was like, okay, if I'm going to get anything out of it, and I don't mind reading subtitles. I'm one of those no. people that I can, and maybe I'm just getting older at this point with the hearing going and the, the vision going as well there. Um, but yeah, Simon Pegg, another person that if you would have said in 2004 while I'm watching this portrayal of Sean on the screen. That this ginger nerd's going to be the <laughs> ambassador to all nerddom. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, okay, but he's. He's fantastic. He's a highlight of everything he's in. He has found his way into the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. into the Star Trek universe, mm-hmm. uh, into the Mission Impossible universe. He killing it. In he Mission and Impossible. Edgar Wright are in. Uh, they have extended cameos in George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. Yeah, so they're in the Romero verse, and I'm sure. There's going to be more verses for them to play in. Absolutely. It's ridiculous just how well they work. But again, the other people in the count, uh, Kate Ashfield is Liz, who I still have always just crushed over, ultimately. Uh, the pay- hello. <laughs> hello. Hello, hello, uh, So adorable. <laughs> <imagine> Black Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That is, you never underestimate the power of Olivia Hussey's hello. 
hello. But like, since it's British, it's got to be spelled all weird. So it's like black B L A Q U E, like Christmas, something <laughs> like that. Uh, Lucy Davis ultimately uh, as Diane. I always she just there's something about her the way every person in their crew has a chance to kind of like they get their moments ultimately when she gets to get everyone ready as to portray as zombies which is always a great scene uh I, just everyone has a chance to shine there's just there's something about this film like i said that lets you get invested in all of the characters until they go out grizzly even peter stefanovich oh peter god St- fucking the tick dude the tick comes out of nowhere being an asshole pete like, it's pete good morning now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. When I was living in Lawrence at the time, when I saw this, I was kind of the Pete of the group. Uh, all of the, of when I was in my, my I, I they would be playing and partying at four in the morning, and I'd have someone knocking on my door going, hey, hey, philosophy dude. Hey, do you want to philosophize early in this morning? And, this, and I'm just like, what is happening? Why am I? G-? And I, I would have been the Pete. I would have come out there like I, I identified with it a little bit too much at the time. And I'm like, oh, I really need to sort my life out now. It's not hip hop, it's electro. <laughs> right? See, that was me back in the day. That was like like Ed. Ed was like <laughs> me, so <laughs> But they, you get a chance then, ultimately, and I believe it is, and like you mentioned before, everything in the script is so carefully put together, mm-hmm. where even Ed says, the next time I see you, you're, you're dead. dead. And he's dead. I mean, and there's like... And he, spoiler alert, he's the one that takes the bite out of Ed, ultimately. He's the one that ultimately dooms Ed to his zombie lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like basically kills him, and he, it, he goes even further than that. Like when he's talking about the um, people in the Winchester, oh, yes. like that conversation, that's their demise. Like when he's talking about Snake Kips, he's like, "It's a polygamist surrounded by women." When you see him, he's being devoured by a bunch of women. It's ridiculous. I mean, that much of a level. Like we're gonna go have a Bloody Mary. The first zombie they killed was named Mary, you know, and just like everything is so meticulously to a T Easter eggs. And that's why the it has so much rewatchability and has so much like quotability. Oh, my God. And whether it is referencing a previous film, much like Night of the Living Dead, there are so many things. Uh, Kill the Queen. If you can throw that out there for someone and they pick it up on it again, they're probably our kind of people. Um, it's on random is another great one that works so well. Yeah, it is um, kind of top to bottom. Uh, uh, some of the other characters that point out, and again, this film benefits kind of the reverse engineering where you kind of, like you said, you'll seek out whatever they do, but what if, you know, what have they already done ultimately? And you have a chance, this had a chance, I remember being able to kind of go back and uh, reverse engineering into Spaced. Mm-hmm. And so when... Um, Oh, God. Um, when uh, Jessica Hines shows up with kind of the doppelgangers of Sean's crew and her crew, when you go back and rewatch it now, you go, oh, it's Daisy from Space. Oh, my God. And you, you realize the collaborations that happened even before this. Or then you're like, whoa, like right behind her is Bilbo Baggins. It's, 
when Martin, and this is technically, I believe, the first, uh, Martin Freeman, I think, is another one of the connective tissues of the Cornetto trilogy. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. No, he's in all of all them, All three I of them. Yeah. It, yeah. And oh, so long ago, introducing all of these elements. Actually, the main kid from Forey Electrics, which again, mm-hmm. all the references there. Right. He actually plays the lead. Did you have a chance to see um, The Ritual on Netflix? No. Uh-uh. Check it out. It's well this, worth your time. So the guy that's like, oh, don't grudge that, that one? Yes. He has made his way. He survived the apocalypse, and he's the starring. And I was like, wait a minute. Where do I know? It was one of those moments, and I'm like, holy shit. The legacy still <laughs> continues to this day where he can now backtrack his way from Shaun of the Dead. You know, like you said, it's incredible how much talent came from this movie but it's evident because that's maybe and that's why this movie works so well that's why the whole trilogy works so well because of the care the detail and it's a genre lovers genre (laughs) movie i mean you can tell that this is this is edgar wright's wheelhouse he's not making like like merchant ivory films he's making baby driver and shit so like although don't get me wrong i'd see edgar wright doing a merchant ivory film I don't know if I can see Edgar Wright's sense and sensibility. You know what I I'm could, saying? That I might could. be cool. It would be very proper. Um, there would just be some highfalutin shenanigans. Edgar Wright's The Thornbirds. Ooh, ooh saucy and dirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something behind the green door, I believe. <laughs> um, uh, one of the other things, ultimately, are all the references. And again, as a love letter to the... For the most part, this is really a love letter to the George A. Romero verse. Yeah. Uh, more so than. <laughs> to the point where there's even a line because, like, okay, and the thoughts that this virus was caused by rage infected monkeys is utter bull. And then it just stops. I mean, just. <laughs> he throws just little a, nuggets like that. He throws, uh, throws a monkey bone to Alex Garland and Danny Boyle. Uh, they even throw in a reference, I think, to even kind of the white zombie voodoo era as well. I mean, he makes sure to kind of cover all of the bases, but ultimately, through and through, this is his love letter to George A. Romero and the influence that that, that Romero had on. Again, go back to you know the fact that he was kind of just the, the revolutionary indie filmmaker, but also what he was able to do in the world of horror and how yeah. his effect is still felt to this day to the point where you guys, Media Rewind, Walking Dead to this day. And I don't know. And it's weird to think that, you know, 16 years ago, this, and I think this may be kind of the demarcation where we got more zombie films, but we got that kind of distinctive flair of the zombie film, Mm -hmm. a different, a a different cut, if you will. Yeah. And like Macho Man says, the cream rises to the top. And that's why we're still talking about Shaun of the Dead almost 20 years later. It's it's almost it's all four years, my friend, until twenty years, and this is a film That's that crazy. it's ridiculously it's crazy. crazy. The inevitability of time, man, and like I said, with this quarantine now, with that viewing of the film, I'd like to think that when everything gets back to normal, and it's mm-hmm. you know, let me just say this: I have faith it will. Uh, it's going to take time, ultimately. Yeah, but when we it's get blow, back, it'll all blow over, and we'll go to the Winchester and have a pint. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slice of fried gold. But I want to watch this again and again see where my Wait. straight of mind, where my relationship with this film is. 
we didn't even talk about the music. Oh, the music is oh. amazing in oh. this movie, and not just even the soundtrack. I rocked the soundtrack out, but just the use of it in the I can't listen to "Don't Stop Me Now" without thinking of that old man getting beat with cue sticks. Yep, and so like it's movies like that. Like, and the the zombie nation being played like in the background just yeah just everything about this the music is just spot on a, a lot of people will compare edgar wright's worth with tarantino for the most part and again because of the style and substance but also the fact that the soundtrack becomes a character in the film in and of itself and Everything is very on the nose for the most part, which I, I do appreciate. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of subtlety there, but if you go back to my MySpace blog, I guarantee I did mention that use of those two Queen songs because they were kind of deeper pulls than normal, but mm-hmm. forever cemented. Whenever I hear Don't Stop Me Now, like you said, it's just one of, and that's the power of this film. And again, his first yeah. feature film. Doing so many of these things, it is freaking, and we are waxing the car here of one Edgar Wright and everyone involved in that movie. Came out the gate swinging. I mean, just swinging. And on beat to uh-huh. that Queen exactly. song. Well, once I saw this, I I was ready to drink the Kool-Aid. It's like, whatever you all put out. Yep. I'm down, day one. I mean, yep. so let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about um, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, not necessarily a horror film or the horror homage. But there's still a lot of horror references to it. And, like, it could be kind of a thriller, horror-ish. Because we've seen horror movies where the whole town is evil, you know? (laughs) And with the Omen references and the amount of kills and gore. Genius, it's it's for the greater good. For the greater good. Uh, This is... I Hot Hot Fuzz for me is one that... It always battles Sean with my favorite of the series whenever I watch it. Um, also, Yarp. I, <laughs> Yarp, Narp, I think with a lot of people, and the Tarantino um, comparison rolls with this, when Tarantino did Pulp Fiction, everyone was super psyched for his next film, which was Jackie Brown, which is, for me, it's that's one of my favorite Tarantino films, but I remember a lot of people not really digging Jackie Brown all that much because it was kind of different from Pulp Fiction. I remember a lot of people going into Hot Fuzz. And, man, if you want, you know, Shaun of the Dead and the action, whatever genre, I think you get it. But because it plays a little bit differently, there's a little bit of a different dynamic between um, Simon and Nick. Not a lot of people, I didn't think, enjoyed it as much. Do you remember your thoughts? Mm -hmm, I do. I think people were thinking of it as a direct sequel and not, like, necessarily in the same vein. And I was one of those people not necessarily, like... Uh, but also, like, I was like, you know what? I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead better, but I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed the ride because, I, once again, I got it. Mm-hmm. I got what it was trying to hit. Like, it was funny and some of the things that it was spoofing on and some of the um, the tropes. I thought it played well again with the music. It had what I wanted to see. But did I like it better than Shaun of the Dead? No. And yeah. will I go to this day and say, do I like it better than Shaun of the Dead? No. But... Every time I watch it, especially more so with with World's End, but especially with Hot Fuzz, the more I watch it, the closer it comes up to that number one slot. Nice. I like the ones that gain traction like that. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and then we had to wait a little while longer for the World's End, and as Shaun of the Dead went with zombies, with Hot Fuzz, kind of the, the, the cop genre, 
with the the world's end, we get the sci-fi alien invasion esque feel. And this is another one I know that was a, had more of a lukewarm reception initially. I definitely was on that train. I, I was like, like, uh, uh, it's all right, man. I'm gonna go back and watch Hot Fuzz, you know. <laughs> but I didn't. But I didn't get it. I didn't get that, it. I don't think I was ready for that movie. I really don't. I think like it took me a couple of years and like a couple of like things to happen in my life for me to like actually appreciate that movie. I agree. And that's another one that has truly changed with me over time. In fact, um, I think the more that's the one for me, the more I see it, the more it creeps up on all the other ones. Mm -hmm. But that's also why I think I had such a surprise reaction to Sean my last time, because Sean is the carefree you know, entry in the Cornetto trilogy. It's just really getting your footing starting as an adult, you know, first real semblance of responsibility, you know, hot fuzz is, you know, trying to find a balance between your career life and your personal life. Again, that balance. And then the Mm -hmm. world's end obviously is dealing with your legacy and getting old and that the inevitability of death and creepiness. And so, you know, there's a natural kind of, I think, ride that you go on yeah, with yeah. the Cornetto trilogy, which is, again, why I was so shocked that Sean hit me the way it did. But that, stre- that's, that speaks to the strength of the film, I think, in and of itself. And like you said, why we still gush over it so many years later. It's another Edgar Wright level of detail. Yeah. Like a long end game one, <laughs> you know? Pretty and sneaky, so, Edgar Wright. Um, I see what you did there, Edgar. I see what you did there. <laughs> But it's an interesting one too. It's a good one. I yeah. mean, it, it's why his movies demand rewatches because yeah. you still pull back more levels and layers. I didn't realize that level and layer until right now. Like, oh, prestige, you know. <laughs> so like, it's yeah, it's why we still love his work, their work, Absolutely. their collaborations. They speak to us. Uh, it just it's comforting. It's so comforting, mm-hmm. which is why it still is pains me to say. I appreciate Scott Pilgrim, but I just don't like it. I just makes me feel old. I, I just get off my lawn, oh, I, game, kids. Oh, I, and I love all the aesthetics and what they were going for, but I just can't get behind the characters. I am at that point in my life where I'm like, oh my god, what is what was wrong with you kids? I think you should have stayed with Knives Chow. That's just my personal <laughs> opinion. Yes, um, yes, but I can't go wrong with Mew, yep. and so. And no, I get it. I, I can totally see the get off my lawn. I can totally see that. But I enjoyed it for what it is. It's 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 popcorn movies. Yeah, and I will say Mew gave one of my favorite performances this year in Birds of Prey as the, Mew's, uh, Mew's the Huntress. The she is so good. So good. But also, I think we talked about all the, the fancy style, substance. It all comes to play, comes to head with Baby Driver. Yeah. That's like it, his... That's, Baby Driver's a music video. Baby Driver is an hour and a half action music video. It's grand. It really is. It re- I had so much fun watching that one. And like you said, it kind of culminates all the s- style into his film. And that's it is all style. There's no balance on this one. This is his... This is his, finally... You, you tell that probably 14-year-old Edgar Wright. How many years from now you're going to be able to put together this huge Hollywood film where you With get to cars edit... and guns and... Music you're gonna have great. you're gonna get freaking Paul Williams of all people in your movie. Guy, right? <laughs> the connection. Dude, I want to go back and fucking watch Baby Driver now, man. 
You know, the, honestly, during this quarantine and Edgar Wright, like, retrospective, kind of what we're doing right now, even yeah. though it's a dead episode, it would be, like, a great time to go and revisit this it, stuff. It, I mean, it really, really would, especially after this rewatch of Shaun of the Dead. Like I said, just the, prove how, like, influential this director truly is because there's nobody else in the game like him right now. No. I mean, like... A lot of people say that's very Tarantino-esque. Or a lot of people can say, oh, you're going for that whole Eli Roth vibe. My favorite or, are the ones that go for the Ari Aster vibe myself. Man, man, that should be the... They should be going for the Osgood Perkins vibe. That's what they should be doing. They should be going for the Adam Wingard vibe. That's what they should be doing. Osgood Perkins, I'm telling you, he is more Ari Aster than Ari Aster. But anyway... <laughs> Um, sorry. You so you did well, my friend. You did not go for the baits. <laughs> but anyway, but nobody's like, man, that's very Edgar Wright-ish. Because I don't think anybody can attempt to try that. Now, I mean, they probably can, but, like, I don't know. That's some big shoes to fill. I will say, I really liked Marvel's Ant-Man. Uh, and Pey- And Peyton Reed and what he did with it. That being said, I would have loved to have seen Edgar Wright's Edgar Ant-Man. Edgar Wright's Ant-Man! That would have been fucking dope! Edgar, yeah. Edgar Wright anything. Edgar Wright's like fucking Frankenstein. I'll go watch. <laughs> Edgar Wright's like. Well, I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. So you know they gave the Lee Wanell. Lee Wanell did the Invisible Man. Uh, Karn Karn Kusama is doing Dracula. So they're going into those 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 wheelhouses. I'm wondering, you know, is Edgar Wright too big for Blumhouse and all of them to do something like that, or would that be just the best collaboration with him in one of those Universal properties? I would like to see him instead of doing it. I don't think oh, I would like oh, to see him oh. do Universal one because he's gothic. But I like to see like space ones. A hammer one. Have him make don't. Ooh yeah. That's the yeah. other thing. People make forget that he did. Yeah, make him make don't. Or, or, or make him like remake from, Bloodbath of the House of Death. From the Grindhouse trailers that he, the, everyone forgets about his trailer for That's don't because right, it had Nick Frost as the as the, the feasy smearing in, man like, baby. Dookie. <laughs> he hit every nuance of all those weird ass Hammer films, the Jallo films, all into the balance that he hits. There is something for everyone with Edgar Wright. Go seek him out, and honestly, seek out something that's gonna make you laugh because that's what we're doing the entirety here in the month of May. Whether it is zombies, what have you, go out and find something that makes you laugh. So, um, final thoughts here as we wrap things up here, genius with Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright. The month of laughter that we're about to have. Shaun of the Dead is one way to my heart. Like that's <laughs> the <laughs> I love this movie. Like the, and the community that it's brought. You know, like the whole you got red on you and like hello pickle and just like every the the little things like that. This this movie is like you said, it's a game changer. It is, and I don't throw that word out a lot, and I hate when people use that word. But this one, it truly, truly is. Well, we were trying to figure out what is the best film to start this whole horror comedy thing. And, and we I, already did Tucker and Dale. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, again, from the, from the madness. But we were like, you know what? It's low-hanging fruit, but there's no a reason. Fruit. Yeah, it's delicious. It's, it's for everyone. It works. And if you know what? If it doesn't work for you, that is okay. There are, there are other horror comedies out there for you. And ideally, hopefully... We'll breach those. Uh, if not, you can recommend us to do a horror comedy. All you have to do is be as part of our Patreon film family. And again, you can go to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. But even if, not, if you are just simply listening to this, you're part of the film family. You can, you're a friend or a pally. Either way, we're glad you're aboard. <laughs> so until the next time, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Join us.